theater watching the latest Tom Cruise, uh, The World is Ending movie. And this one was called uh, The Edge of Tomorrow, I think it was called. And here's a movie that, uh, you know, basically has a bunch of aliens. Uh, it's kind of a, um, it's kind of a combination of um, War of the Worlds and Groundhog Day. Okay? <laughs> so that's, that's really what it is. It's, uh, I'm not giving away anything by that. It's just... It's a movie where he gets to reset the day all the time and change patterns. So it's pretty cool. Uh, my boy really liked it a lot, too. But And again, I'm not giving away the... This is not a spoiler alert at all, because I you know, shouldn't be surprising whatsoever anyway. But they discover and they realize that if they get this certain alien that they call the Omega alien, kind of like the queen alien, if you want, uh, that uh, once you do that, then then you destroy the entire army because this Omega uh, is the one that apparently sends instructions and is controlling all the aliens to do what they're doing. And it, it you know, I, I thought about, but this is not the first movie to have such a thing, right? There was the movie uh, Pacific Rim, same thing. There was the, the Borg in uh, Star Trek, the next generation, which was the only series of episodes that I really liked in that show. Uh, but again, the same idea that they are all working as a collective whole controlled by one entity. Uh, and then there's one centralized voice. Um, and there are many other movies just like this. Um, the other movie I was thinking just before this, uh, this show, Ari, was Independence Day. That's another one where, you know, you control the, you throw a virus into the central computer, the whole thing falls apart. Um, this, this goes on and on with all these, these uh, end of the world or end of days movies. And it dawned on me that isn't this in some way, the way that so many liberals view the world. I'm talking about centralized government that is in fact in control of everything. They, they view themselves, meaning that the centralized government as so imperative. Let me put it this way. <clears throat> If, God forbid, there's some sort of terrible attack, um, liberals will look at the preservation of government as the number one thing to do, right? You and I, Ari, uh, while we, we, you know, we want to save the lives of everyone, uh, all right, maybe not politicians, <laughs> but we want to we wanna preserve the lives of everyone. Everyone is sacred as such. Uh, their lives are not any more important just because they were voted into office than our lives are. What you and I would like to preserve is the infrastructure and the Constitution itself, right? That's what we want. But for them, they think that, that preserving the centralized uh, nature of government, the very center of authority, that means everything. Because without them, you understand, everything will fall apart. To them, it's preserving the Omega in order to save the Union, to save our very lives. And without them, nothing could thrive. Do you see what I'm saying? And for us, when we view war, let's say, or any sort of conflict, or any sort of uh, industry, or, or, you know, any, any effort to accomplish anything, it's not, yes, it's good to have plans, but we are the sum of our parts, right? Just like in wartime. I mean, when, when you think of World War II, <clears throat> you think of various battles. Uh, it's true, but it's not as if if you, if you killed Eisenhower, somehow the war would all fall apart. Um, somebody else would come to replace him and somebody else would prosecute the war well. 
and there were many men who died, and, but there were different squads and platoons that would do very good work. And that's what led to the victory in World War II. Didn't Roosevelt die during World War II? Yeah, very good example. And very good point. we still won? We still won. Right. Fancy that. <laughs> by contrast, by the way, had we killed Hitler, that it might very well have been the very quick end to the war. Precisely because of the nature of the evil that was Hitler. Uh, this all-encompassing, you shall do what I say, mantra. Hive mentality. Yeah, hive mentality. And uh, so, so that's what, where it is. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm not saying that I'm not comparing liberals to Hitler. But I am saying that, this, that they, they do share something with some very evil enterprises. And that is this notion that centralized government, a center of all things, is critical to success in government. And that is true. Uh, that was certainly true with, with Hitler. Uh, they viewed that they had to control everything. Um, there's even a German expression called Ordnung muss sein, which means order must be. There must be order. And that you can only do that through centralized government. Likewise with the Russian command and control economy that they had. And that was just really very little different between communism and fascism. Let's face it, right? Um, and that's the way it is with almost every dictatorship. There are very few dictatorships that allow enterprise to, to run free, to, well, by to decentralize. By definition, there can't be. A dictatorship is run by a dictator who dictates. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. And, but the liberal mindset is that not that dictation, a dictatorship is good, um, although that's ultimately what they are saying. Their, their mindset is that centralize, centralizing government centralized is a good thing. Centralized bureaucracy is a good well, that, thing. But they, they'll never say that, so let's give them that, okay? Centralizing authority is a wonderful thing. Uh, it's the only way you can really make sure that, that things are done correctly. They don't trust decentralized government. They don't trust local government. They, they believe that uh, local government is just on the heels of uh, doing a, uh, yet another racist attack or uh, do something else that's only in favor of, of their church and, and uh, against all other religious minorities. Uh, no, you need a centralized government in order to effectuate anything meaningful. That's, that's their belief. And, and you're 100% right that by centralizing government, you end up with these hor horrific bureaucracies that, that accomplish nothing at the end of the day. And, of course, waste a lot of money and waste a lot of time and make terrible decisions all the way through. But that's, that's neither here nor there. The, the fact is that they believe in the centralizing of things. Centralizing is good for them. They don't realize how much, by, by believing that, how much they have in common with all the dictatorships of the past and the present. So uh, I just thought that was very interesting. Okay, I told you I was going to go back to music, right? Um, I want to read to you a, uh, a song, the lyrics of a song. So here it is. Imagine there's no heaven. <clears throat> it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. Should be there are no countries. But. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. 
and no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will live as one. So. Uh, you didn't give me the air sickness bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, we had none. And Look, um, you know, when I say it, obviously, as, as that, that song, um, it is so, I mean, really, there's, it's so stupid. It's, it's, it's not stupid. It's a communist anthem. Of course it is. Of course <laughs> it is. No, but, but, a, but a child would say this, right? Say, you know, mommy, imagine that we wouldn't have any religion. Imagine all this stuff. Wouldn't that be great? How would I get to school without the car that we possess? <laughs> right. Well, that's neither here nor there. I mean, you know, kids have a, you know, they, they don't kind of see how things work and are interconnected. You know, daddy works so that he can bring home so you can get that, you know, uh, kung fu uh, panda movie that you like so much and that you have your bed to sleep in and you have the food that we're eating right now. And, uh, and if daddy gets fired, then we won't have that. And, um, you know, the reason why daddy got fired is because of that darn minimum wage. And okay, I digress. I'm getting too angry. And this stupid song (laughs) where he missed days at work. So when it came time to the minimum wage hike, they gave someone else the job and fired daddy. Right now, look, the song imagine, and why do I bring this up? Because Stripped of its actual music, the, the, the words are so <laughs> inane, right? I mean, it goes without saying they're inane, that they're superficial. But when you put music to it, and, and believe me, I, I, I mean, I, I grant you that it's beautiful music. The lyrics, they're really uh, very ridiculous. But the music, it's, it's, no, it's, it's really his best post-Beatle work. And maybe, uh, you know, is on par with his other Beatle work. You're shaking your head, but... Well, you're a fan of Wilco. I'm a fan of Metallica. <laughs> okay. if, they, if they had those lyrics with the music to the Metallica song, Search and Destroy, maybe. I you see. Know? But that's not Search and Destroy. That's some poncy, stupid, acoustic guitar, piano crap. <laughs> you, you can't argue with the musical success uh, of this song. The music is quite nice. Let's let's just say for fun, okay? I I don't want to drill down on it. Let's say for fun, and I th- I think I'm right here that that it's that the music is very popular, okay? The whole woohoo and all that stuff, right? That's really mm-hmm. what, yeah. That there's a there's a part I know of this. about the woo-hoo. Doesn't, doesn't say woohoo in in this in these lyrics that I just read, but it's there, <laughs> um, and it's very uh, meaningful to people. And they you know songs are very powerful, but you strip away. And I'm getting some more of this. You strip away the music and you look only to the words and you begin to see really what the words are. So we look at it. I'm not going to dissect the song Imagine right now, but I will say, generally speaking, you dissect it. You look at it and you say, this is really stupid. Um, You know, no religion. Okay, that would be, I'm imagining that and I'm just terrified because I know what that would lead to. No possessions. I, I, I can imagine that. And I'm terrified. I mean, possessions are a good thing. It's what so many people strive for. Um, and there's uh, this idea, do you have no need for greed or hunger? I mean, yeah, I'd love, love to have none of that. But you're going to have all of that if you have no possessions. They'll have greed and hunger for everyone. For not everyone. Just the few. Exactly. And um, a brotherhood of man. Yeah. It's, I, uh, 
So anyway, it's again, it's it's not to dissect this song. It's simply to say that it's it's obviously stupid. It's the probably the most successful stupid song I've ever heard. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's uh, <laughs> I've heard other stupid songs. <laughs> Do you remember the the da 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 song by yeah. by uh, I forget who wrote it. Um, craft work or something. I don't know. But it was, well, Devo. Devo did a group, uh, did a song called Da Da Da. Okay? No. Strike that. It was some sort of German song, a German group. And and they said, Ich lieb dich nicht, du liebst mich nicht, which means I love you, I don't love you, you don't love me. Uh, and then they say Da Da Da. And, and it was a stupid song, but it was very popular. But that was brilliant compared to the song Imagine. Because you know, you can't argue with if he doesn't love that person, that's fine. If that person doesn't love him, that's fine. It's then, at least a cohesive thought that holds up to logic. <laughs> that holds up to right? logic. Right? Right. <laughs> one, one person cannot love another and, and vice versa. That's fine. And he's merely describing that. But, but the music and the lyrics were equally stupid. And uh, here the music was pretty good. But the lyric, I'm going to talk about Imagine now, the lyrics were really palpably stupid. So why do I bring this all up? It's because I see the Obama administration and the Democrat leadership of this country in exactly the same way. If you were to strip away all the trappings of the presidency, the romanticism of the presidency, here comes the president. He's going to say these wonderful words with his chin up in the sky, and he's got this important emblem that says that he's the president of the United States and talking about this or that person who such and such program helped out. If you actually stripped it all away, you would say, man, my God, what is going on with this person? This is insanity, <laughs> right? If he, were, if he were not the president of the United States you, and, and you just evaluated his decisions based solely from a business context, let's say, or from not even a business context, just a, a common sense approach to uh, handling um, any particular issue. Uh, I mean, for example, um, you and I, let's say, acquire a bonus for from our work, right? And um, you know, I, and we can laugh about what we would do with it, but. The reality is, um, if you got, let's say, a, a $10,000 bonus, which is a lot of money for a lot of people, including myself, um, you know, I think I would invest in, in paring down some of my debt if I had a lot of debt. Maybe I would uh, uh, invest it in a particular company that I had a lot of faith in. I, I thought, you know, after a lot of due diligence, check it out and hopefully, hopefully grow my money that way. But what I wouldn't do is um, spend it on a bunch of cotton candy. Um, or I, and I certainly wouldn't spend it on a bunch of uh, hookers in Las Vegas, right? Bad decision, right? There are, there are ways to spend money that are excellent. From $10,000, you can, if you do the right moves, I mean, I've, I always was fascinated about this as a kid. If you do, do just the right moves, you can make $1 into billions of dollars, right? I mean, it might take you a little bit of time, but you can you could literally make billions of dollars out of $1. That's what makes this country great, by the way. Likewise, uh, you can receive a billion dollars and squander it all away, just like that. And I used to see that uh, when we were living in uh, Connecticut. I, I went to the same high school that Michael Skakel went to, you know, the, 
the kid who uh, was, I think, the cousin of the Kennedys, who was uh, convicted of murder. And I remember that that famous scandal. But he, that was my town. And he was one of many trust fund kids that really screwed up their lives. That ended up uh, maybe not necessarily going into crime, but doing a lot of drugs and otherwise just pissing away their money. And you would say, if you were to hear how they spent their money, you would just shake your head and say, wow, if only I had that kind of money, I would have done X, I would have done Y, I would have been Z. And they would all be good, easily much, a hundred times better than the decisions than these kids actually engaged in. Like I would have, if I were him, bought a new set of golf clubs and threw out the old ones. (laughs) Right, exactly right. <laughs> Sorry, <funny. laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. Um, but the, but the, we have so many bizarre things that are happening with this administration. So, you, you know, he goes takes a trip to Africa. It's it costs a hundred million dollars for that one trip because, I, frankly, I, and not I, for a month for yeah, like four days for four days. Now, how he manages to do that, I must applaud him. I I don't know how I could spend that much money that fast in only four days. Okay, I think it would take me about a year. No, you know what? Two years to spend $100 million that recklessly. And that's you working your ass off at it. Right. I, mean, I would have to plan this like out. Like Brewster's Millions working. Remember that movie where you had to spend all the money in like a day? Right. <laughs> Takes effort. Right, right. Because you know? <laughs> it keeps so. earning interest, you know? So, so let's look at, look at the decision-making process. And again, I'm, what I'm, my whole point is what, what elevates this president – uh, and, and people thinking so well of him is because he is the president. They, they, they give him the centralized power that they love so much. He is the president with a capital P. So, but, but if you strip away all that, let's look at the decisions he's made. Um, yelling, for example, and that's the beginning, and you can jump in with, I'm going to give you like four examples. You give me four examples. Too. I'll probably give you like 40. 40. Okay, that's fine. Uh, you just leave the room. I'll be. I'll keep doing it for an hour. <laughs> okay. But just, I mean, from the from the simple to the big. Here, I'll start with some simple ones. Remember the time that he got himself involved in the Boston Police uh, thing. Harry Lewis Gates issue. The Gates issue, yeah. And uh, the first thing he said is the one thing we do know is that the Boston Police acted stupidly. Well, apparently, we knew that they did not act stupidly, uh, and and he, by contrast. Uh, acted very impetuously and spontaneously and stupidly. Okay, that's the only person who was stupid in that room. Um, likewise, with the way, in a bigger scale, of course, the way he handled Honduras and the uh, uh, the, the, the democratic transition of power right there. They, they ousted the very bad guy, the president there, um, so that, uh, and it was constitutional. They called it a coup, and they made all sorts of demands upon Honduras. Yeah, Honduras prevents a coup. Obama and his people turn around and call it a coup. Right. And nobody, call, and nobody calls them out on that. Likewise, on a bigger scale, of course, in 2009 with the uh, revolution in Iran, uh, the threatened revolution at least, and he sits back and does nothing. Um, then I, I want to get into some of the smaller details as well. Uh, the $100 million trip to Africa, just for example, taking these long trips uh, when all sorts of horrific things are going on in the world. No CEO of any business would take the length, lengthy trips that he takes uh, when such calamities are upon him. 
you, you stay home. You just stay home. I mean, even Jimmy Carter, as incompetent as he was, he um, gave his Rose Garden speech where he said, I'm staying here in the White House while this horrible hostage crisis is happening because I feel I owe it to them to work as hard as I could, uh, can, to, to, to get the release of these hostages. Never mind that he was incompetent in every way, but at least he understood not to go on vacation. At least he made an effort to he do made his an effort. work. Yeah, he's just incompetent. Uh, then, of course, um, the way he deals with uh, Russia, um, the complete incompetence with that, um, ignoring the signs that are happening when it comes to Crimea and Ukraine, uh, uh, then, of course, Benghazi and how they, they try to backtrack on that. Nobody would, would tolerate that kind of BS from your own child, for example. If you saw um, your child, for example, breaking a, a lamp, a glass lamp, and you see him pushing it over, or not even pushing don't even see him, but it's so clear he did it. And then he said uh, that if this didn't happen. It was uh, a, a bird that flew in and knocked over the lamp. And you know that there couldn't have been any bird because all and the windows are closed. And that bird made an anti-Islam video. Right. <laughs> which caused him to fly and hit the lamp because he was running from the guys who were attacking. Yeah, you, you would cross your arms and tap your foot and say, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, and, you know, do you, you know, do you think I'm an idiot? So th these, these are the things that, that are going to happen. I'm, now I'm going to release the reins to you to give other examples. But, but stick to, you know, not, not interpretations. Stick to actual things that he did and that he didn't do because it, it, I want to show you strip away the majesty of the presidency and you'll see that there's nothing there. You'll see not only that there's nothing there, but it's an embarrassingly incompetent. Go. I'll start with the first two. The first one is uh, about a week and a half ago. He's giving a commencement address at West Point, and he says, America is exceptional, but not in the way Americans think is exceptional, but in the way that we follow international norms and not use force to impose our will on people, ignoring the fact that the norm of international behavior and relations is full of tyranny and oppression and violence against women and molestation of children and all this other terrible stuff, as if those, because they're normal, they're a good thing. Second one, the Cairo speech in Egypt. I think it was at the Cairo speech in Egypt I could be wrong, but in that speech, he said a lot of idiotic things and did a lot of idiotic things, including inviting the Muslim Brotherhood to attend to the speech, an organization dedicated to jihad and killing the infidel, of which America is part of the infidelic world. I believe at that speech, he also said, history does not belong to those who slander the prophet, meaning Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, even though said prophet was a child molester, a warrior, a slaughterer of innocents, a person who slandered well, him. We're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about that necessarily. No, no but I, I'm just saying. You know, he yeah. say. Point is, in those two instances, as well as myriad others that we don't have time for in a one hour or forty five minute episode. He said the exact opposite of reality with the kind of conviction as if it was reality. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and his, his other people, uh, whether it's John Kerry or otherwise, uh, saying that Israel might become an apartheid state if it doesn't do what, uh, what the Obama administration is demanding of it, uh, not recognizing that Israel is the good guy and the Arabs 
the Arab enemies of Israel are the bad guys, at least vis-a-vis -vis the conflict. Not realizing that. Not realizing that you do not embrace the recent unification government between Hamas and Fatah, uh, which are both equally evil. To, they're competing for evil. Um, and that somehow, by, by putting two evils... they get they, along, it's only a good thing. Well, you know, <laughs> you know in, in math, you know, there's the... It's the, the truism that you, you have a negative number times a negative number. You get a positive number. Maybe that's what he thinks. If you put two horribly evil entities together and merge them as one, may they become good. Hmm? That's, is, isn't that like saying, For a, wait, wait, isn't yeah. that like saying, you know, put Hitler and Stalin in control of the world, then good things will happen. Because they'll cancel <laughs> each other out. That's right. Yeah, but for a guy who plays so much golf, right. because golf soaring, when you add a negative number to a negative number, you add the number plus the number, and you wind up with a bigger negative number. Right. And negative numbers in golf are good. Right. Maybe he's applying, since he's not good at golf, the golf scoring system. All right. Well, now we're getting, <laughs> now we're getting a little silly here. But the point, the, the, but but the point is it's, it's illogic. Once you actually think about and listen to just the words, not the emotions, not the imagery, not the pageantry of the presence, as he said, yep. just the words, it all falls apart. That's right. You strip that away. And then wonder what is really going on here. And, um, and, and that applies. There's one more example I'll give, and that's the Internet, right? Releasing the Internet and not fighting to keep the Internet as it is. Um, forget about the naivete, because that, we've talked about that before. It's remarkably naive to think that somehow it'll be okay or even better to not have the United States in control of the Internet. Um, but... The point of that of that thing is that the impetuous decision, without thinking things through about about the possibilities, uh, very embarrassing for for us as a nation as well. So you do strip away the pageantry, as you say, uh, strip away the the music, if you will, and you begin to see what that child saw in the famous uh, fable of the emperor who has no clothes, right? I mean, the, the famous story, right? All, everyone else saw the emperor. The boy, who didn't know better, saw reality, which was that the emperor was wearing no clothes. And we're saying to you, President Obama, that you have no clothes. You are, um, we're on to you. We, we, we know that you know that you don't have it. You have no confidence. You have no ability to actually make good decisions. You've gone through a fluff cycle in your life where everything has worked out for you very nicely. And by the time you pass on and retire, hopefully at a ripe old age of 120, um, that uh, every, everything will come to you. You'll never have to work a dime in, for a dime in your life. You never have and you never will. You will literally pass on to the next life without having done any hard work at all. And uh, we, we have been guilty of letting that happen. We the people, as it were. And it's all pageantry. It's all, I won't even say smoke and mirrors. It's just the pageantry. We want it to be so, and so we, we are forgiving all these crazy things that he's done, these illogical things he's done, and frankly, um, insipid things that he's done, one after the other. There's also another perfect example of this, and it's very minor. It makes no difference to policy because the, the big rabbit that attacked Jimmy Carter had nothing to do with the hostages. The big rabbit was just funny. 
But this notion that he's some athletic genius, this notion that he wakes up every day and he gets to the office late uh, for his intelligence briefing or skips it all together because he's in the gym for three hours every day. And then we finally see a workout video that Obama did last (laughs) week. And this man is struggling to lift a two and a half pound weight. He doesn't know the first thing about good form of working out. That's 100% right. There's no way. He's doing idiotic exercises that make no sense for a man to do. Lunges? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's say for the sake of discussion that he's been doing this for a long time. I can tell you one thing, that no trainer has trained him. Right. And you would think that he, he has access to trainers. So my guess is because he's not that serious into working out and he, uh, he, he, he would have had a trainer had he been really serious about working out and he wouldn't have made those moves, the kind of moves that he's making, which are clearly novice moves. Um, he's going to throw his back out. Yeah, I worry know? about him. I don't want him to you know, have, have a bad health or anything like, else like that. I mean, uh, he, he's, you know, he, he'll make even worse decisions <laughs> when he's on painkillers. <laughs> well, maybe not actually. Oh, yeah, good point. Maybe he won't do any decisions. Uh, well, then Joe Biden. Oh, you know what? For, never mind. Never mind. Never we mind. should not be doing this. We should not even going there. You know, <laughs> some the idea of, of Joe Biden. It's just it's too serious. No, can't do it. Can't do it. That that he might actually make some decisions on behalf of this country. I mean, the smartest really thing Obama ever did, and I give him credit for this, is choosing Joe Biden as a running mate. He's a guarantee. No one who doesn't like Obama will ever try to remove him from office because That's the alternative true. is that much worse. <laughs> I, I think that he also chose Joe Biden, which was a just, it was a bad decision for every reason. So I, I agree with you from a selfish point of view, it was a good decision from a national point of view it was a horrible decision. He's, he's just not up to the task. He's a buffoon, Joe Biden. And, um, how he could uh, have chosen him is a, a bit of a mystery. I do think the reason why is that he felt that Joe Biden was not a threat uh, would not outshine him in any way. Uh, likewise, uh, he chose Hillary Clinton for the exact same reason. Not that she wouldn't outshine him, but that he could send her off and do uh, the state's business and kind of be out of sight, out of mind, which she, she did. She went and lived on a plane for three or four yeah. years. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I bring this all up because it it really is about pageantry, and maybe we'll call that uh, you know something – you know, something Imagine about pageantry. Imagine the pageantry. <laughs> That's right. Or stripping the pageantry. That's what we should call it. Yes. Let's call it stripping the pageantry. And the reason why I call it stripping it is that we, we must do this, not just in the context of a John Lennon song or a, um, or even, even a movie. Sometimes you see a movie and they're beautifully shot movies. There's such a movie that I, I'm thinking about right now uh, and, and that the movie says absolutely nothing. Uh, a movie that I think of that actually won Best Picture was No Country for Old Men. Okay? Now, you may like that movie, but that's a movie that said zero. It had absolutely nothing to say. It sold a lot more than The English Patient. (laughs) That's true. Which is even worse. English Patient. Same idea. Good example. Yeah. (laughs) English Patient sold itself on its beauty. You're right. That's a good example. Maybe a better example. A a bunch of stuff happened that that meant nothing, and it was just uh, beautifully shot, and that's about it. So... Um, so same thing with the Imagine song and same thing with this presidency and same thing with a lot of kings for that matter in history. It, it hides the, the nothingness below them. Nothingness. And as you go about your life, my dear listener, uh, whether you talk to a doctor or a lawyer 
or anybody else you're dealing with, um, whether it's a lot of awards on their, their uh, walls or otherwise, uh, you have to strip down. You have to ask the tough questions. You have to, to see whether or not he or she can make really good decisions, whether they exercise good judgment, uh, and whether they're effective. Do they get good results? And uh, by that standard, this president does not have a chance of uh, meeting the, the standards of, of so many great presidents before him. Well, anyway, this has uh, been a, a, an episode about pageantry and stripping it away. Um, and when we do that, we, we apply that to our president. Unfortunately, we see that there's really nothing there. That's a good lesson for any art you observe. Yeah. Ask okay. yourself the question, what really is this? Folks, this is Barack Lurie, and this has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.